Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And today I'm going to explore the history of Hickory Corners over in Barry County. And we're also going to explore some of the history of the Gilmore Car Museum and also the Kellogg Bird Sanctuary. And all three are worthy of your exploration when you visit Barry County. So come along and join me. Hickory Corners is a small town in Barry Township in Barry County at the intersection of Kellogg School Road and West Hickory Road. Now, one of the cool things that I always find fascinating about Hickory Corners is the little downtown area. The streets are lined with a good number of the old storefronts and shops that gives the town the look of an 1800s town and it has a lot of authenticity. A lot of the original buildings in that area have been maintained. Some of them not so maintained. Others have been restored. And the downtown area, even though it's very small, has a bit of a vibe with some antique shops and uh, other little types of stores there. There's even a new gas station that was um, created a few years ago that's in the theme of the whole um, village of Hickory Corners. So some of the history of Hickory Corners. The first settler of what would become known as Hickory Corners was a minister, and his name was Moses Lawrence. And he made his home there in 1834, which was about a half mile east of where the downtown is. And more settlers began to arrive, and other surveyors arrived. And in 1837, the town was named after a huge hickory tree that once stood near that downtown area, and so they called it Hickory Corners. The first schoolhouse was built in 1837, and Solomon Hall built the very first Hickory Corners residential home in 1839, and he would become the first postmaster in 1844. When a town became large enough to have a postmaster, uh, when mail started being delivered, it added a lot more uh, credibility to a community, and the mail system would be brought into town, usually at that period in 1844, would have been either by horseback or by stagecoach or wagon, depending on what um, part of the route they were on. More than likely, it would have come from the south, from Battle Creek, heading up north through Barry County on its way to Grand Rapids. So over time, the town acquired a few other merchants and businesses. They got some blacksmiths. They had a couple of blacksmith shops. They had uh, a cemetery was established, a church. They established a drugstore. There were three general stores at one time, uh, two harness shops. There was a hotel. There were even millinery shops, which is uh, during that time period was the hat making businesses, usually ladies hats. And then there were also a few wagon makers. Nowadays, there's a few other things that you can visit when you go to Hickory Corners. You can not only check out the cool old downtown shops in that area and take a look at the old buildings when you go through, but there's also the Gilmore Car Museum, which is not far from that area, and the Michigan Motor Sports Hall of Fame, and then also the Kellogg Biological Station, which are all great little things to tour when you visit the Hickory Corners area. 
And by the Kellogg Biological Station is the Kellogg Bird Sanctuary, which is a great place to uh, visit and spend some time. Now let's talk about the Gilmore Car Museum for a bit, because that is part of the reason I wanted to do this episode. The Gilmore Car Museum is an amazing place. If you haven't had a chance to go out there and... Quite honestly, I only visited once. I went to a German car show uh, last year and walked around and filmed, and I saw the outdoors areas. And I didn't have time to go into the interior because, well, I was there with my dog, and I was uh, not going to bring my dog inside the museum. So I intend to go back and do a full tour. They say that you need to take about four to six hours when you want to visit the Gilmore Car Museum because there's so much to see. And um, that's probably realistic. It is a very huge place. And I'll go into the size of it here in a minute. But uh, the Gilmore Car Museum was started originally as the hobby of a man named Donald Gilmore. And he was a Kalamazoo businessman. And he started his hobby in 1963. And uh, he was the chairman of the Upjohn Company at the time. And this uh, hobby for collecting cars grew into him establishing the Gilmore Car Museum. So essentially, when he started collecting vintage automobiles, some of his first vehicles in his collection included a 1927 Ford Model T. He also had a 1913 Rolls-Royce and a 1920 Pierce Arrow. And restoring that classic, the Pierce Arrow, at his home on a nearby Gull Lake ignited a passion in him. And over the years that followed, Donald continued collecting some of the world's most renowned automobiles. And to accommodate his collection, which was growing, he acquired a 90-acre tract of land in a small town called Hickory Corners. It was his wife, Guinevere, who had the idea of turning the collection into a museum, providing future generations access to Donald's one-of-a-kind collection. So they established a nonprofit foundation and opened the museum to the public for the first time on Sunday, July 31st, 1966. Now, today, the Gilmore Car Museum is North America's largest automobile museum with over 400 vehicles on display and over 190,000 square feet of exhibit space. The museum's 90-acre historic campus features numerous vintage structures, including a restored and fully functioning 1941 Silk City Diner. And that is really something to see when you visit it. It also has a recreated 1930s shell station and six on-site partner museums and a whole lot more. So today, the Gilmore Car Museum is a public 501c3 nonprofit educational institution. And it's dedicated to preserving the history and the heritage of the automobile in America. Now, the museum, it's open year-round, and the campus and other buildings are open from April 1st through November 30th. So this is a good time of year to go. April is the beginning month of all the other buildings being open on the campus, and so it's a great time to go. The main museum is open year-round. And daily admission is required. There are admission fees, and they have the rates on their website, and they vary at different times of the the week that you go, um, and you can pre-register educational groups 
Uh, school groups are often free, as well as active military members are free. When you go, because it's so big, they recommend that you take four to six hours, as I mentioned earlier. But there is handicapped accessibility throughout all of the spaces, and um, there is even a museum store that has attendance there that will help you when you arrive. And they estimate that about 112,000 guests from all over the world visit the museum annually. One of the buildings that they have on the site is a recreated auto dealership, um, which, is, which includes a Franklin dealership from around 1918 and a Model A Ford dealership from 1928 and also a 1930s Lincoln and a 1948 Cadillac dealership. And the space is so big that there's nearly three miles of paved roadways on which antique cars as well as uh, the museum's London taxi, checker cab, and Model T, or the London double-decker bus can often be seen traveling uh, around these little roadways on the campus. So the museum has really thrived, and since 2004, it has invested over $15 million towards infrastructure and expanding its campus by adding nine new structures, bringing the museum total to nearly 200,000 square feet of exhibit space, which is quite an amazing success story for a museum. And it, we really, in southwest Michigan, really should be proud of the Gilmore Car Museum for its amazing endurance and expansion under good stewardship because they they bring a lot of tourism to the region, you know, and maybe it's not in your hometown and maybe it's not in your county. The fact that people would go out of their way to go visit the Gilmore Car Museum means that it's bringing to this corner of the state out-of-town travelers, and it could be bringing out-of-state travelers that are likely to travel through your town and your area in southwest Michigan. And I think any museum that achieves the level of success that the Gilmore Car Museum does should be modeled by every other museum to the best possible way that they can do that. And I certainly admire what they're doing, and I would love to see the Battle Creek Regional History Museum, for example, the one that I volunteer so much time with, spend time learning from the board of directors there and the curators there at that museum to bring about a tremendous success and have the museum achieve the revenue of tourism that will keep it in operation for generations to come. And for the Gilmore Car Museum to pull that off with having to house and store such large items as automobiles is a tremendous accomplishment because that is a lot of overhead. That is a lot of uh, space that you have to maintain and it's climate controlled and a lot of it, you know, so you have to, you have to keep the cars and, and the uh, museum artifacts in good condition and cared for. That's a lot of space for a museum, and that is uh, quite an achievement when you really look at the big picture of it. Some interesting facts about some of the exhibits. The oldest car on exhibit at the Gilmore Car Museum is an 1899 locomobile steam car. And they also have a one-of-a-kind enlarged movie set from the 1967 Disney feature film The Gnome Mobile and a 1930s Rolls-Royce, which were personal gifts from Walt Disney. So that's kind of interesting. And then there are over 100 vintage pedal cars on display. And the museum houses one of the largest displays of 
automotive mascots and name badges in North America with more than 1,500 items on display. And they've got the museum divided up into collections around the campus. And each of these collections are, you know, you have to walk to the different buildings to go see them. And I'm just going to list out the ones here that they have in groupings of collections. There's the classic Car Club of America Museum. There's the Pierce Arrow Foundation Museum. There's the H.H. Franklin Collection, the Model A Ford Museum, the Lincoln Motor Car Historic Museum, and then there's the Cadillac LaSalle Club Museum, the Museum of the Horseless Carriage, and then there's the Checker Motors Historical Records and Archives. And when I walked around there, there was also a barn they had set up with a lot of old fire engines. And that was just an amazing thing to see with all the red. And uh, some of them were green and different colors, but um, all the fire engines under one roof. It was just an amazing collection of historic fire engines. So the Gilmore Car Museum is definitely a museum you should visit if you haven't taken time to go there. And bring your kids. It's a great place to bring kids and have them wander around. And uh, there's so much there to see. But definitely plan a four- to six-hour visit when you go to get the most out of your your time and most out of uh, your museum fee to go visit that museum. Now, returning to the subject of Hickory Corners, there's one other major place to see in Hickory Corners that I would like to talk to you about, and that is the W.K. Kellogg Biological Station, which is a bird sanctuary. If you have not visited that, that is something that is very special to go see in the Hickory Corners area. Um, In June of 1927, cereal maker W.K. Kellogg purchased the land surrounding Wintergreen Lake, and he fenced off 180 acres to create the W.K. Kellogg Bird Sanctuary. Now, the goal of the sanctuary was to teach an appreciation for the natural beauty of native wildlife while providing a place to breed game birds. So in 1928, Kellogg deeded this land over to the Michigan State College of Agriculture, now Michigan State University, to ensure that the sanctuary would serve as a practical training school for animal care and land management. And this move opened the doors to further field research for college students, which enhanced the programs that were put on for the general public. So the Kellogg Bird Sanctuary today is something that you can go tour as well, and you pay a small fee to go visit it, and it's just a wonderful place to walk around. They have a tremendous amount of waterfowl and birds of all kinds that are in the sanctuary that uh, return to that lake every year. And the Kellogg Bird Sanctuary was created with waterfowl as a high priority. The breeding of waterfowl was crucial to reestablishing populations of game birds in the state and in particular the sanctuary was instrumental with assisting in the repopulation of Canadian geese and the trumpeter swan. Though other waterfowl played and still play an important role in this ecosystem, these two were central to the recovery efforts of this uh, sanctuary. So many of these waterfowl make the sanctuary a stopping point on their migration and Some of them just call it home. They stay there year-round. So throughout the years, the directors and employees and researchers of the sanctuary 
have experimented with banding and trapping of the birds in order to better understand their population changes and their habits. And this has advanced not only the research and studies done on the birds, but it's also helped in finding out the best banding methods to better track waterfowl as they moved along other migratory paths in the country and all the way up into Canada. So the sanctuary has gone through many changes over the years. In the early 1930s, the sanctuary uh, built its first field museum and observation building, and these are built next to the display pool. And then in the 1960s, the buildings that currently stand as the sanctuary were constructed with a grant from the Kellogg Foundation. This was a major makeover for the old museum building, and the old museum building was able to be torn down. And then there was an overlook museum built and a research building, um, which was to modernize it with a classroom and shop and apartment and laboratory. And they also added trails and fencing and animal nesting houses were renovated. And they also uh, house birds that were caught in the wild that were injured and they take care of them there because the birds can never be returned to the wild because of their injuries they get killed or die and so there are some eagles there there's some owls and probably i would guess probably about a dozen other different um, varieties of birds that are living in these big cages and it's kind of sad to see them there but if they let them out into the wild, they wouldn't survive because they were injured. They're flightless. So that's part of the Birds of Prey exhibit, and it's a good educational tool for young people. So when they visit, they'll see a lot of different birds of prey, including a couple of eagles. There's some hawks in there. There are several species of owls, as I remember correctly, and then there may be a few other uh, birds of prey that I not recalling at the moment. And the animals are well cared for by the students who attend the sanctuary and uh, the biological station there. And there's a lot of other varieties of birds there as well. It's a great place to take your camera if you're a photographer and get some great footage. It is a um, wonderful place to learn about birds because they have pictures there and they have a lot of instructional material when you walk around. So that kind of concludes a little bit of a tour through the Hickory Corners area. So if you're visiting Hickory Corners, you've got the old historic downtown that you can go to. And then you have the great and amazing Gilmore Car Museum that you can spend an afternoon there. And then if you still aren't tired enough, go over to the Kellogg Bird Sanctuary and walk around for a few hours. Or do a whole weekend and, and spend time in Hickory Corners. It's um, well worth your time and there are some tremendous facilities with a lot of history attached to it. There's a lot of history of the Kellogg Bird Sanctuary there. There's some amazing history when you walk around the Gilmore Car Museum and you can learn a tremendous amount about the automotive industry. And then of course just going to the downtown crossroads area of the Hickory Corners, uh, especially during the summer months when they've got some of those shops open. It is a, uh, a wonderful place to visit. So and that's going to conclude today's tour through history, looking at the village of Hickory Corners and the Gilmore Car Museum and the Kellogg Bird Sanctuary. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave me a review or a rating on whatever app that you are listening on. 
And you can always reach out to me if you'd like to send me a message through michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening. 